Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Hello, music fans. My name is Joe Armstrong, and thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information, all without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. This week on Independence Day, Ben Bostick. Ben Bostick's gritty baritone is reminiscent of Eddie Vedder fronting a Bakersfield Roadhouse band, and his songs run the gamut from heartfelt, aching ballads to up-tempo ruminations on rural bravado and youthful sexual escapades. But Bostick is no bumpkin or bro-country pretty boy. He grew up in the Carolina boondocks and studied English at New York University, and it is that juxtaposition of backwoods guilelessness and urban polish that has refined his lyrical approach to songwriting. He knows that a great writer must both ably write and sing a song in the voice of a narrator that may or may not reflect their own perspective. Bostick is more than willing to work for his success, either by slogging away at the kinds of typical back-breaking menial jobs that struggling artists take to subsidize their dreams, or more recently by busking for tips hours a day, several days a week on the Santa Monica Pier and playing paying gigs far and wide. He's paid his dues playing varying styles of music as well, among them rock and funk, before settling on the current progressive songwriting-based country that suits him well. As a case in point, Bostick spends the first 37 minutes of his new eponymously titled album hitting all the right notes, stylistically and otherwise, before ending the final song, Aaron is Blue, by dropping an unexpected, over-the-top, fuzzed-out guitar chord that would make David Gilmore proud. It's a perfectly left-field production choice, and it sets Bostick up nicely for some more courageous sonic exploration as his career blossoms. Welcome to Independence Day, Ben Bostick. Hey, Ben. How are you, man? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm great. It's good to meet you. Likewise. I started being carpet bond with, uh, you know, I get stuff from publicists. And, uh, and I've, I'm also kind of dialed into the L.A. music community in some respects. And I just started hearing your name. Like, I hadn't heard it. And I started hearing it everywhere all of a sudden. Ben uh-huh. Bostick. And then Kim Grant, your publicist, my friend, your friend, sent me your kit. And I gave it a listen. I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Maybe I should get this guy on. So here we are. That's Sweet. how these things happen. Awesome. I have to give Kim a big thanks. At least one of these ways that these things happen. So I'm looking forward to talking to you, man. We've got a lot to talk about um, because one of the, the first words like in your press material is, or actually the last word, last sentence says that Ben is an independent artist. And given that this show is, doesn't focus exclusively on independent artists, but the concept that at this point in the music business, almost everyone's independent to a certain degree. Mm-hmm. Taylor Swift, one of the biggest artists in music today, reaches her fans directly. Through mm-hmm. Twitter, through her account, our own president, love him or hate him, meets you know reaches his own people directly through Twitter. Mm-hmm. So you know, independent, it's a, it's a malleable term. And uh, so, tell me, you know, what does that you know? Obviously, there's the dictionary definition of what independent is, but what does that mean to you? It means freedom. It means artistic freedom for me. That's the biggest thing. Uh, it means that there's nobody guiding me. I'm my own guiding force in everything from business to the songwriting to the production to everything is truly independent of yeah. anyone else. At one point, like growing up, everyone I knew, and maybe myself included, like the big dream, because there was a paradigm, like the, I call it the old paradigm of the music business. Like there were A&R people, and your goal was to like get a fan base and then get attention of an A&R person and then get them to come to your show and then get them to sign you. Like it was, mm-hmm. had, it was something like your music career felt like, even though you were doing the work, it was something that was almost bestowed upon you. Sure. Like you've made it, you know, with the little air quotes. Like now you've got limo rides and you've got flights to LA to get to sign important things and like tour support. But the bottom kind of fell out of that at one point. It's not that those things don't happen, but 
you have to kind of get to a certain point. Like even a guy like Dave Matthews, I remember back in the day when I was mm -hmm. in college, like he sold thousands of records out of their van, just going up and down the East Coast. So, I mean, it can be, it sounds like your head's in the right place because it can be a scary proposition because you don't have that kind of support. Like, you know, so what, you know, when you say independent, like how deep does that go? And with your particular career, like, do you have, you know, other than like your girlfriend or your mom, you know, kind of tongue in cheek saying that, but like other people advising you, other people helping you I do, book yeah. shows. I mean, you've obviously got a publicist. I have, this is the first time I've ever worked with a publicist. And I do have some people I go to for professional advice. I have my friend, Theo, who owns a record label called Ula La Records out of New York, who I met in college when I was at NYU there, who's been an invaluable sounding board for me to go like, hey, Theo, I'm thinking about hiring a publicist. What does that mean? And he'll tell me like, yeah. is it is, worth the money? Is it worth the money? Like, what numbers should I be looking for when I get quotes from these people? What do I want to hear them say? What questions do I, do I ask them to find out if they're a right fit? Or just, I remember when I was releasing my EP, asking things like, what does it mean to do a release now? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because all these sort of things, when you're not in the scene, are really confusing to a, to a person who's like, I know how to play music. <laughs> right, right, right. And I know how to go into a studio and record it. But the the sort of independent music business part of it is is extremely confusing and daunting and it's really easy to do something great because i've heard people do great things that nobody ever hears right because they just say i got it and they put something on facebook it says my new album's out today click to listen on soundcloud and that's it that's the last thing they do for promotion right. so I've, it's been a learning process for sure to find out how do you how do you get people to hear it while maintaining some sort of um artistry right the whole time because i think you can get lost in the in the promotional part too the commerce the commerce part because that's that's something you know for all those barriers that fell you know when the internet and in digital the digital revolution mm -hmm. literally revolutionized how everything is done but specifically music and music business how people consume music how people share music how you as an artist make it and then distribute your music um, th those changes are manifold. Like they, for every, but for every barrier that's come down, um, it's not that a barrier's gone up, but it does present new and different challenges for the artist when they're new and they're independent. And they're trying to figure out what in the hell, how in the hell they're going to do this, mm -hmm. right? Because you can do all this stuff yourself, but that doesn't mean you know how to do it, right? Right. And there's a big difference between a band like Radiohead at one point, you know, when In Rainbows came out and being like, okay, you know, we don't need a record label anymore. Right. They're an yeah, established exactly. artist. You know, they can make money. If, if they never release another album again, they could probably have a fine living just by touring. Not that they don't right. tour very much, but they don't really need to, right? Mm -hmm. They have income streams that have existing revenue streams. Whereas a new artist, and you're trying to build something, you're trying to, you know, I guess to a certain extent, every, uh, to back up, it's like every artist, even back in the old paradigm, had to kind of figure out their own way. Mm -hmm. You know, when we, if you want to be a lawyer, like, I'm not saying it's easy, but you know what the path is. There's a ladder. There's a ladder. There's yeah, an yeah. existing infrastructure for mm -hmm. you if you do the work and you're smart enough and you can pull it off to become a lawyer or a doctor or right. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, for a musician, you know, a million books have been written and you hear all the stories, but if you ask every artist to a person, you know, we've done 185 plus episodes now and every single person has a different story, which is mm -hmm. why I love talking to these musicians and you specifically about these kinds of things. 
So anyway, we're already on, we're right into the weeds. All right. In terms of being an independent musician, talking with Ben Bostic, Los Angeles-based artist. He's a singer and songwriter. Uh, I'd call you right now in this phase of your career, you're kind of a country-ish artist. Yeah. Somewhat like in the tradition of the old school guys, mostly. Right. You know, Johnny Cash, Merle Haggard, that kind of thing. Absolutely. But you haven't always played that style. Not always. So, I've played all sorts of styles. I grew up mainly in South Carolina, some in North Carolina. Um, and country music to me during most of my growing up was like the least cool thing because that's yeah. what that's what my mom listened to which is never cool to listen to your mom's music and you know it was just sort of like the square older people's music and so when i was young i was into you know alternative rock punk yeah. uh hip-hop anything that was as far away from my own like experience of growing right, up right, right. you know you wanted to reach out that's what the great thing about music was it was could take you out of your small town or whatever and you know listening to the velvet underground when you're in Irmo, south carolina is like a drug you know yeah it's crazy every kid no matter where they're from wants to be somewhere else and someone else like that's that was a big thing like a lot of the acts that i was in at first were you know posing to some degree it was it was trying to be trying to create a persona that was so uh, different than who I was in everyday life, yeah. which is which is a part of all performing is to create a, an onstage persona. But you know, uh, being a pretending to be sort of like a 1970s glam rock god <laughs> when you're yeah. 15 years old in a town yeah. of 10,000 people is not normal. You know, it's hilarious though if you huh. look at like artists that we know and love, like people who are revered for like being themselves or being Mavericks in some way. You know, John Hyatt comes to mind. Mm -hmm. Like he had like an album where like the cover was like hot pink and he had slick back, like spiky hair. Yep. You know, John Mellencamp had a band totally. before he was like a roots rocker that was like kind of Britishy, punky almost, you know? Mm -hmm. So like so many people, like yeah, I think the first thing you do when you're a young person, most people it seems like you're emulating before you're doing your own thing. You know, even the Beatles, like they were trying to be Chuck Berry sure. and Little Richard. And eventually, you know, then you somehow a switch gets thrown or maybe you just evolve and then you, you kind of evolve into your own thing. And I think that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. You know, it's like I always, there's a kind of a gag, like I'll go to a show. There's a couple of things you can do if you're an experienced musician. Like you can look at their back line. In other words, their amps and drums and pedals and things. And you can almost tell what kind of style they are just by looking at their gear. Sure, exactly. You know, but the other thing is, you know, like you can also tell, you can usually pick people's influences. You know, and it's it's mm -hmm. interesting. Like even a even a Maverick artist, you know, Radiohead or whatever, like they're a little harder, but you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, but anyway, I want to talk more about those formative years, like how you got sure. to be who you are. But first, I want to, we're going to hear a song. This is from your brand new record, just came out last month. It's eponymously titled, so it's named after yourself, Ben Bostic. Uh, there's so many things to talk about. I want to talk about the cover at some point. I want to talk about this music, how you got to be what you got to be. But first, let's hear a song from this. This is like the emphasis track, the single, as it were. Correct. This is right. All right, this is a song called The Juggler. So this is Ben Bostic, The Juggler on Independence Day. Yeah, they call me the juggler Cause I always have three lovers And I burn through Trojan rubbers like no other But when I'm not between the sheets I'm busy staying undercover Ain't as sweet as it seems being the juggler Wendy 
works on Wednesday evenings in Donnelly Does her laundry two doors down So when I'm out to eat with Edith I'm always worried Wendy's watching And equally that Donnelly's gonna be around And what's worse is Wendy lives by the Wally World Where Donnelly goes to the pharmacy And Edith's ex-old man is employed there So I choose to keep a low profile And sneak around like it's going out of style And try to keep these balls up in the air Takes a lot of steam Making all that hubbub Ain't as sweet as it seems Being the juggler Yeah I had three more the month before Tanya, Tina, and Isadora The battle ended in a puddle of tears and blood I had Tanya down for ten to noon And Tina turned up around one or two And Izzy'd used me all night like a stud But one day Tanya showed up a little Turned up a lot of early So fists were flying Till Lizzie came that night I'm pretty sure It's the doors When they threw me on the floor While Johnny and Tina Punched and kicked and swore And long story short I lost the fight Yeah, they call me the juggler Cause I always have three lovers They come and go But there's always another Yeah, I guess I can't be pleased By just one lady's comfort Ain't as sweet as it seems Being the juggler Settle down, but I'd hate to be the one to make her suffer Cause one of them days we'd go to town And one of my friends would flag us down and say You know why everybody calls him the juggler And I'd have to explain That they call me the juggler Cause I always have three lovers And I burn through Trojan rubber like no But when I'm not between the sheets I'm busy staying undercover Ain't as sweet as it seems being the juggler My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you ever so much for listening to Independence Day. Come to you Wednesday nights, 7 p.m. Pacific time. This time of year is Pacific Daylight Time. And God, I love summer. Even when it's hot, it's my favorite time of the year. This week's guest, Ben Bostick, comes from the Carolinas, lived in Los Angeles now the past several years. And he's making a living at this. So kids, pay attention if you want to learn how to do this kind of music thing. Can't say that this plan's going to work for you, but this is a good blueprint. It's a good way to do this kind of thing because he's working hard at this, which is the way to do it. Yes? That's the way to do it. It's the only way i found that works so far. And of course, you can learn about him, uh, benbostick.com, facebook.com slash benbostick, and it's B-O-S-T-I-C-K, just like it just like it looks, just like it sounds. Correct. Pretty obvious. Like Earl Bostick, the saxophone player. Indeed he do, just like Earl Bostick. Uh, YouTube, uh, also uh, Twitter, Ben Bostick. Instagram is the ignotable exception. You are Mr. M-R Ben Bostick on Instagram. Uh, so kudos for being branded properly, because that's a big thing nowadays as we... as we're independent. Like we have to kind of, we're minding our own fort. You know, at one point yeah. it seems like, you know, someone else, like you'd have meetings and like someone, an artist from the, la- or, uh, an artist from the label would come to you and say, do you like these album covers? And you would say, oh, I like this one over that one. And off you'd go. And now you got to do all that stuff yourself. Yeah. 
You know, I, I tell people I learned Photoshop so I could do my own posters. Me too, man. I learned web stuff so I could make my own website. And I didn't have the money to pay anyone, so I did all that stuff myself. Yep. I almost said a nasty, Same here. I almost said a nasty word there, but I'm not going <laughs> to. You can use your imagination. Uh, so I want to talk about like your, your upbringing. We kind of started talking sure. about that before we played that song. And great song, by the way. Thank you. Very catchy. Thank you. Uh, which is very, very important. You want I call them earworms. You want things stuck in people's heads. You know, when, I, when people tell me, like, hey, I really like that song, Joe, I say, great. I want it to get stuck in your head tonight. I want you to remember it tomorrow when you're singing in the shower. Then I want you to sing it all day at work. And I want you to go to the store. Back then, it was like, I want you to go to the store and buy it. Mm-hmm. That's how it wants. That's, that's my goal. Uh, anyway, so like, so you were just saying, like, in the in high school, you wanted to be like the punk rock kid, kind of, or the new age yeah, kid. Yeah, no, like, it was more like a, probably the main influences in high school were like uh, Bowie, Led Zeppelin, sort of anything big. Okay. It goes into big stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they make big statements, you know, and there's right. reasons those people are revered. Mm-hmm. You know, they made great music. Absolutely. Uh, you know, right up until the time of their deaths. Uh, and those that are still alive, some of them are, gosh, I mean, look what Robert Plant's done the past Dude, 10 years. Dude, that song Rainbows from last year or two years ago now is killer. It's one of my it. favorite Robert Plant songs ever. Uh, so, like, what kind of kid were you? Like, were you were you into sports? Were you playing in, like, because you're, you're a musician, but were you playing? Because not all musicians were playing in, like, the jazz band or singing in the choir. Like, were right. you wrapped up in the school stuff, too? I was not a, um, I didn't play in the jazz band or anything. I did, actually, in middle school. I really wanted a guitar. And then my parents wouldn't get me a guitar until I showed that I could stick with playing the violin in the sixth grade orchestra for a year. Okay. So I did start it's off. Penance. Yeah, exactly. I, I played the violin in sixth grade orchestra. And then uh, that summer, they went and bought me my first guitar, which was a PV acoustic, which mm-hmm. I don't even know if they make them anymore. But man, I played that thing to death. And uh, greatest thing that ever happened. I was obsessed with Red Hot Chili Peppers at that Interesting. time. Interesting, obsessed, and I've always been obsessed with the P funk sort of funk influenced stuff, funk rock, anything that George Clinton's ever been involved in. I've always been. I bumped fan into of. George Clinton at the Nam show once. Lucky you. He is everything you would imagine that he would be. Good. Looks exactly. <laughs> looks like, like some of those guys. Like you know, you see him like when you know after hours or mm-hmm. like backstage, and it's like it's like a dude like take off like the wig, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. take off the funky clothes, and it's like a dude in a ball cap. But no, Mister uh, Mister Funkadelic was Funkadelicified. He's, he's the best. Man. Anyway, I'm sorry. Go on. No, that, uh, we can talk about George Clinton all day. But uh, I don't know where were we? What were we talking about? Uh, you're talking about you know, your high school, oh, yeah. like whether or not you were playing in jazz band. You had you kind of done the penance of playing the violin to get a guitar, and then you just played it to death. Exactly, played it to death, and then my parents figured out I was you know serious about it. And then at some point, uh, I saved up enough money to get an electric guitar, and I got a a knockoff Strat and uh, and a little tiny amp to play it. And then once high school started, I met a guy and we started playing together and in his garage. I mean, same old story. And then we found this guy who sort of knew how to play drums, but he couldn't hit the kick pedal hard enough to make any sound. It would just like barely hit the kick drum. But we were like, all right, fine, you're in. And we Close got a, enough. Close enough, yeah. And we got a bass player and we had our first high school band called Blue Box with two X's on box. Mm-hmm. As you do in As high you school. do. And it was a, we had a two singer setup. So me and the bass player both sang, and we thought we were sort of Beatles esque because we'd trade off mm-hmm. John and Paul style. And the music was everything from sort of 
Beatlesy Beach Boy pop to like we have had like an epic eight minute song with guitar solos and like different movements to it. You know. Do you remember, you know, was this band like part originals, part covers? It was all originals. All originals. From the beginning, yeah. That's amazing. That's every that's for for my entire like music playing career. It's like started with writing for me. When I got the guitar, the first thing that I did was write little funny 20-second songs about kids in my class. And we'd, I would take the guitar to school, and after class, we'd sit around, and I'd play these little songs about like Anders and Dusty and all these dudes in my class. And it was hilarious. It was like a comedy act at first, yeah. because, you know, you're making fun of people. or Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's what you do when you're in like, you do. junior high school. Yeah, you're in seventh grade. You're either doing it with a guitar or without a guitar. <laughs> yeah, you're going to do it either exactly. way. Um. But yeah, it's always been writing. And I came, you know, I uh, I heard you say when we were off mic that you're a writer and a word man. And I've always been all about the words. I was an English major in college and I've always loved writing. And the words have shaped my musical direction from the beginning. Yeah, I, A lot of times, even back sixth, seventh, eighth grade, I would come up with an idea for a song. I would have like this concept, this literary concept for a song. And that would guide where the music went, and you know everything came out of the the literary concept for the song. Yeah, it reminds me of you know when people start off with all their own material. It reminds me of the band U two, because like mm-hmm. those guys were so wrapped up in what they were doing. Like they loved music, but half of them couldn't play mm-hmm. really. Like they've never done anything since they were kids, anything other than be members of U two. Really, I think one guy. Was it Larry the, uh, uh, or, or uh, Adam, one of those two, the bass player, the drummer, like uh, had a band, I think, before that, like had played maybe like in a jazz band. But everyone else learned how to be a musician within the framework of that band. Interesting. And it's, that's why I think it's one of the reasons they're so unique. Love them or hate them, they're very unique. You can't take that away from them. I didn't know that. And, and that's fascinating to me because that's, like, that's the only thing they could ever really be. Like even when they play a cover, there's been a couple random covers they've played over the years, but they're very much a U2 song. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's fascinating. It is. Um, you know, mine was more traditional. Like I, I got in because I loved guitar. Like the Monkees reruns were on TV when I was a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I wanted to be Mike Nesmith because he, you know, he was a little quieter. You know, he kind of had that thing where, like, when he, he's like, my brother's like that. Like I talk too much, which is why I do radio. But I admire people who know how to keep their trap shut and then say the right thing at the right time. And that's the way Mike Nesmith was. At least he was on the Monkees. Maybe he's not right. like that in reality, but. But, uh, you know, he played guitar, and he wasn't a clown. Like, the rest of them were kind of buffoonish. You mm-hmm. know, it seems like Nesmith had kind of like a, a I want to say austere, but he had kind of a, you know, straight, he was like a straight man a little bit. Sure. You know, like, his jokes were more wry, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, God, I want to get on the monkeys already. Oh, my, my, uh, <laughs> my, uh, my background. So it's like, I wanted to be like a guitar player, singer, guy, and eventually I figured out, well, I'm going to have to write. I'm not going to be able to just play other people's songs. And I eventually figured out, yeah, that's what I want to do anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'm always, I'm a little envious in a good way of people who started off completely writing. You know, I, I, I could play 200 songs before I wrote a note of my own music, you know? Yeah. And it all goes in there. All those influences go in there, whether you're listening or you're playing them or learning how to play Absolutely. them. Absolutely. So anyway, talking with Ben Bostick, uh, Los Angeles-based singer-songwriter. Sometimes you will find him down at Santa Monica Pier. Santa Monica Pier. Correct. How often? How many days a week are you down there? Usually about three days a week, sometimes okay. four. Let's come back. We'll talk about that. I want you to play a live song first. You've you got, got your it. guitar, uh, beautiful Taylor. 
uh, acoustic guitar. You're just going to play solo today. So what's this first song going to be? Let's do Sweet Thursday. Sweet Thursday. And this is on the new record, right? Correct. People can pick that up on your website as well as uh, other fine music retailers, which it seems like they're, all, in, they're all virtual now. Yeah. Uh, so you know where to find those kinds of things. And then tell me just a little bit about this. This is kind of like a Travis picking, like acoustic kind of thing. It is. This song is funny. I was... Uh, this is one of the older songs in the record. It's probably four years old and it came about when i went to my went home to my parents house and i was for for christmas time and it was i was just sort of bored and because my parents moved away from home after i left so i don't have any friends when i go back to their house so i just sort of sit at home a lot of times and they had a bookshelf with a bunch of books and i was just looking through the titles and there was one title called sweet thursday which was a john steinbeck novel and I, for whatever reason, got immediately inspired to write a song called Sweet Thursday that came to me in a flash, and I still haven't read the book, so I have no idea <laughs> if it has anything to do with the book. I assume not. Since You're I've riffing on the it. title. Riffing on the title. Wouldn't it be eerie if for some reason, like some kind of word made it into your, like phrase made it into your song? Absolutely. I had that happen today. It was really spooky. I was talking about one of my jobs as a radio producer is I have to I write a daily news quiz for the show. Like it's a, basically just a, we give away tickets to see. Like today we were giving away Jackson Brown tickets and uh, something else, Raiders of the Lost Ark at the Bowl or something. And so I come up with a quiz and then the host reads it. They're like multiple choice and, and true false. And I put a thing about someone getting ringworm in their eye. Now it's ringworm's not actually a worm, it's a fungus, but I just thought it was a funny phrase, like the idea that mm -hmm. you would get a ringworm in your eye. And then my buddy out of nowhere, like two hours later on Facebook, having not seen this, having not listened to anything, or we hadn't even read the quiz yet, wrote someone getting ringworm in their eye on one That's of my unbelievable. That's unbelievable. That's so incredibly specific. Weird, yeah, incredibly specific, and not even based on reality, because it's not a worm, and you can't, I don't think you can even get that fungus in your eye. It's a skin fungus. Right, yeah. It's a mucous membrane thing. It's like what wrestlers get. Weird. Yeah. Weird, weird, weird. I got, I got ringworm from my ex-girlfriend's damn cat twice. When, wow. I lived, when I lived in New York City, and one year I had ringworm twice. I do not like cats anymore. I'm <laughs> just going to go on record and saying that. Anyway, if you have a cat, give him a, give him a, give him a nice pet for me. Uh, all right, Ben Bostic. This is the song Sweet Thursday on Independence Day. It wasn't supposed to go this way. When I met you yesterday Didn't need you next to me Am I the kind that you expected me to be? It's getting a little warm Crack the window, please I'll pump the gas if you run inside, grab a couple tall boys and a honey pie. And yesterday is far away, and tomorrow you'll be gone. It wasn't supposed to go this way. Sweet, 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 sweet Thursday It 
more Out on the highway in a dusty storm Two lonesome losers in a stolen dream Heading straight for nowhere in a suicide machine If you see the lights flashing, push the pedal down Over the border they can hit us there Between the two of us we'll make it if we share And yesterday is far away And tomorrow you'll be gone It wasn't supposed to go Hello, hello. My name is Joe Armstrong. Thank you for listening to Independence Day. This week's guest, very proud to bring you Ben Bostic. He's got a brand new record named after himself, eponymously titled. I love to say that word, eponymous. It's a good one. Just love the way it rolls off the tongue. Uh, and you can pick it up all the lo- logical places on the internet, benbostic.com, B-O-S-T-I-C-K. Is that a German name? English. English. Yeah. Bostic. Okay, that's, I can see that. There's a town in northern England called Bostock. Mm-hmm. And somehow this got perverted into Bostick. I dig it. And you come from the southeast. There's a lot of Scotch-Irish in the southeast. Indeed. I myself, half of my family comes from that area. Armstrong is a Scotch-Irish uh, border clan name. So we uh, might have common ancestors, you and I. Probably so. I feel like we should fight in the yard. Absolutely. It's like, like a very Scottish-Irish thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't like to fight, but I feel like we should do it anyway. Absolutely. Uh, no fighting on Independence Day. We are a peaceable kingdom here. Uh, ben, you do busking. For I do. Who don't know the word, that means you're out performing on the street. You're a street performer. You go out with your guitar. You put a tip jar down. Um, so, but you got into this kind of by happenstance, right? I did. How did this get yeah. started? Well, I had this this idea a couple of years ago that I wanted to just start playing my solo stuff out as much as possible. Because I was in bands, I was playing in a funk band, I had like a rock and R&B band, and I wanted to start playing my more country solo stuff out and so i started going to open mics which uh was a good start but it quickly became a a pain to i find open mics to be infuriating they were infuriating to sit there let's be honest for three hours to play one or two songs having to sit through you know some really i hate to say questionable questionable talents uh and some of them, you got to pay five bucks for this privilege. And I was like, man, there's got to be a better way. And I knew from just going down to Santa Monica that on the promenade, on the Third Street promenade, which is in basically an outdoor mall, the streets closed off, that people would perform down there. So I went down there with my guitar and I got a little uh, Roland Cube amp, which is like the... Uh, that little busker amp that everybody uses runs on double A batteries. Little battery powered amp. Yep. And um, set up and played for a little bit, and nobody seemed to really uh, care. And it was really loud. There's all sorts of musicians everywhere. So I packed up and I was like, well, that was an interesting experiment. And then I can't even remember 
why i think it may be because on the when you get the permit in santa monica it says like a permit for the third street promenade and the santa monica pier mm. and i was like i'll try the pier and so i went down to the pier and there's a lottery system to like see which spot you get on the pier which unlike the promenade it's not a free-for-all you don't just set up and right, play right. the pier has designated spots where you play and so when two musicians are there you're far enough apart that it's not conflicting and it doesn't sound like noise. So I got a spot on this first day. I think it was a like a Thursday night in the summer or something. And I set up and it just immediately people started coming around and you know, throwing money in the tip jar and clapping along and it's like a miracle. Dancing and like it was a miracle. It was insane. I was just like, this is unbelievable. And then, you know, at the end of the night, I played for a couple hours, and I was like, that was so much fun. And then I came home and counted my tips, and I was like, this is also, like, legitimately lucrative to, yeah. <laughs> to do. So I, from that point on, that was my go-to, like, if I'm going to perform, and I'm going to be, I can either choose the open mic, or I can go to the pier, Right, and it was a very clear choice to me. I can which, pay five dollars, which basically means I'm paying five dollars. So that's negative five dollars over three hours. That's negative like one what seventy five or so. Yeah, you know, per hour to sit there. Exactly. Uh, and it, to be fair, you know, you can meet some cool people. Like sometimes there's some really talented folks there, but they also are probably feeling much like you are sitting Absolutely. through three hours of, of nonsense. And there's also a rigmarole. Like, every one I've ever been to, it's like, you kind of got to, like, schmooze. Like, there's always a dude who's running the show. Yeah. And it's always, like, a popularity contest. Like, he's going to put his dude. buddies at the right time. Dude, it's like every music scene. Yeah, Even, even when you go to, like, the next level of, of, of musicianship, everyone has, like, a scene where there's, like, right. a, a dude. Yeah. And so I hate that, that whole setup. Yeah, it's like kissing the ring. Yeah, exactly. You know? Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. But uh, no, that's... And I... I after I started doing it and I started, uh, I started improving, which was which which was noticeable, because you have a unlike many other kinds of performing, you have a clear metric <laughs> of your of your success. I guess I mean it can be arbitrary. It's very immediate. It's very immediate. So you know when you when you start playing and you make a certain amount, and then two months later and you're making double that, it's not probably chance. You, you're probably improving somewhat um, to be able to merit that. And it's, um, there came a point where I realized I could probably do music full time on my own terms. And so I just quit everything. And what will you do? Like, because almost every musician like has odd jobs. Like, and it's like this unspoken thing about yeah, the yeah. music business. Like, some people just don't even want to talk about it. Like, oh yeah, I paint houses, or I deliver porta porta johns, or whatever. Dude, like, I've I had every conceivable job you can think of. Uh, yeah, you me know? too. I had every job. I mean, I had waiter. No, busboy. Busboy, close. Yeah. Uh, Dishwa cook? Dishwasher, close. Um, house painter, roofer, roofer, close. <laughs> uh, drywall. No, roofing is the only construction okay. gig I ever had. Uh, Actually, no, that's not true. I did have a carpet installation gig for a while. Okay, yeah, installation. Uh, yeah, I mean I, everything you can think of. Everything. Dude. I worked yeah. at a video store. Yeah, I was a page at Paramount Studios for a while. You had, did you finish college? I did. Yeah. See, that's the crazy thing about musicians. It's incredible. Like my friends thought I was insane, right? Because I finished college and like, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to be in a rock band. Good plan, you know. But it's it, oh, it's, yeah. it's my thing. 
Yeah, you know, this, it's you can't tell me otherwise. I mean, absolutely. I, look, I know the realities of this. I'm not a fool, right? You know, uh, or at least I'm not a fool in the regard that I'm delusional about whether or not I'm going to make a billion dollars at right, it. But yeah. I'm damn well going to do this. That's yeah. I get that. I get the same thing from people because I. I graduated college and like I had an article come out in the Santa Monica newspaper and they're like all weekly there called the Argonaut and it was on the cover. And so everybody on the pier saw this and they saw that I was on the cover of this thing and they read the article. And so they read, they read that I've graduated from NYU and they're like, dude, what are you doing out here? And I'm like, this is exactly what I want to be I'm doing. doing. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed this is, to be doing. This is, I love it. I love it. You know what I mean? And they're like, well, you could, you could be making so much dough. And I'm like, yeah, but I'd be miserable. Like, what, yeah. what would I be doing? You know what I mean? This is, this is the, to do what you love is the reward. I mean, right. that's the thing about music that's the best, the best thing about it is that even if no one's listening, it's already its own reward. Right. And that's something, you know, I don't want to get all existential on us, but like that's something I feel like this is my own personal judgment is a little bit wrong with our culture. We've been inured to think that money is the ultimate goal. Like that's mm-hmm. the only goal based on whatever whatever it is we're doing. Yes, of course, we all need money to live and to eat and to pay rent and to buy beer and pay for our dog food and whatever it is, we're shirts, keep ourselves fed and clothed. Uh, but it, it that's not how it is everywhere. No. You know, and then even in the first world, that's not how other first world countries act. You know, mm-hmm. other countries value time spent with family and time spent at home and time spent away, mm-hmm. time spent pursuing what it is that you love. And ideally, the, the luckiest among us, yourself included, get to combine those things. And right. you get, you know, your, your workaday job, your you know, commerce job is a passion, mm-hmm. right? You know, in our, in our society, like, like that's like hitting a double lottery to a certain extent. Even if you're not making a lot of money at it. I mean, I always was realistic. Like, I don't necessarily need to be a billionaire. You know, I always said if I could have anybody's career, I would want, like, John Hyatt's career. Totally. Respected for being a writer. Got his own, can go play shows. He releases his own records. But he probably gets more mailbox money. You know, when B.B. King and Eric Clapton release an album, the title track is your song, you're probably making some mailbox money. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's done that time and time and time again with mm-hmm. so many top-tier artists. So... Anyway, I'm going off on my little tangent. But so so to tie it back into the Santa Monica Pier thing, so you never went back to the promenade. You just no. stay on the pier. Yeah, I, I just do the pier. And I mean, how the, long have you been doing this? I've been doing it full time for a little bit over a year now. And by full time, you mean like three days a week or like well, day, night? I, it, well, no, in the beginning it was more. I was going there like five wow. times a week. Um, but now I've got other gigs booked so that... I can't. I can't. A lot of people to go to the pier will sing for like six hours. I'm like, dude. Yeah. Two or three hours a day is about. That's a all long I time. That's the thing. The other thing about people, uh, musical artists are at their essentially their trades trades persons. Let's say tradesmen, but mm-hmm. trades persons could be a woman as well. Uh, most definitely. Um, we are physically, you know, we're using our hands and our voice, our physical body, uh, to do what we do. You know, and you're not just sitting at a computer and pecking keys. You know, you're you're right, yeah. you're out there doing it, and you're physically you're wearing out your voice and your yeah. hands. That's the know. biggest thing is for me is the voice. I mean, like singing for that long is a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It takes it out of you. Yeah, even talking. You know, working in the radio business. You know, talking Absolutely. for a couple hours a day straight. You know, we have someone in our, our the station I work for my like day job. Uh, they have a five hour long morning show. That sounds like a sentence to me. Even though I love talking, and I you know my brain, I'm just trying to get all those 
thoughts out in front of people mm-hmm. as much as I can, like and, and sharing them with people, you know, yourself. You're talking about Larry Mantle? I am not talking about Larry Mantle. No. His show has only ever been two. Uh, his show two? might have been three hours at one point, but I think it's two. This okay. is the station where I work now. Oh, okay. Um, but I did work with Larry. I uh, worked with Pat Morrison for a while, and those were I had gr- great experiences. Those people are extremely knowledgeable and kind people, uh, and and I'm lucky to have worked with them. And I hope that someday, maybe again, I will get to work with them. But uh, the five hour morning show sounds like a sentence, or a five hour like I mean, actually, five hours doing almost anything sounds like a sentence. Yeah, it's a long time. It's a long time to be doing whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so. The, you touched on this a little bit when you set it up, but like that's another thing that people don't really realize about busking is that there's a whole infrastructure involved behind that because especially in a place like California, it's permitted. Do you have mm-hmm. to buy this permit? You do, yeah. It's it's n- That part's not actually that uh, complicated. You just go to the Santa Monica City Hall and you pay, I think it's something like $38 for a year of a permit. Um but there's a, there's an infrastructure to this way that the Santa Monica Pier works, like the way that the spots are assigned, the way that you get to pick your spots. Right. Well, that's what yeah. I mean. Like the whole thing is. Like it's a, a thing. It's not. You can't just like show up and. That's what I'm playing. You can't just sit right. down and go do it. Yeah, because you yeah. know when I was a younger musician, like as I've traveled around the country and around the world, I've been I've bussed in a few different places, and like I remember I was in Austin the first time I was in Austin. It's like I'm going to go to Sixth Street. And I'm going to go do some busking. No, mm-hmm. I don't have delusions of grandeur. I don't think I'm going to walk out of there with $800, but I just thought it would be fun. There's a million people down there. They close down the street. There's music. It's, it's, you know, they build themselves as the live music capital of the world. Mm-hmm. You know how long it took me to get shut down by the police? I don't think I made it through my first song. Wow. I made $1.26. However, nice. 26. In, in half a song, $1.26, I mean, you play that out. It's, you know, it's yeah. 20 bucks an hour, maybe 30. Yeah. You know, depends on how long my shirt. I'm playing Ramon songs. Yeah, I can, you play, can make the eighty bucks an hour. But uh, Minutemen songs. I got shut down like almost right away. Interesting. Because for not you, a permit. For not. Well, yeah, I, I had no idea. Yeah. You know, and I and I, again, I didn't have no delusions of grandeur. I was just in Austin. I thought I would something would be fun to go do. Mm-hmm. So I went down there to do it, and the cops, like you know, they must know that this is a thing. So like, you have to be on there. I mean, this was years ago, but you had to be on. You could be doing it if you had the permission of the business owner that you were in front of at the time Cash, yeah. and there may be a situation more like the santa monica pier as well where you are a sanctioned busker and you get a little permit right, and you're yeah. off and running but like so funny you know i actually met some musicians i used to live in new york for a while and i met musicians busking in random places people that i kind of i think they're facebook friends like i see them from time to mm-hmm. time so you can actually do this yeah yeah i got i have a group of friends who are all professional buskers that's all they do Tell me this, like you must, it's a, it's a good, that immediacy we were talking about before, mm-hmm. you, you get an immediate response on something. Now there's just the general presentation of you as a performer, your voice, your guitar playing and the facility of those things. Like how adept are you at singing and playing the guitar? Mm-hmm. So that's like one element, but set that aside for a second. Like, like you can impress people with that. I mean, there's people who do all kinds of things with like zithers and, and there's all kinds of things you can do as busking or jugglers sure, or yeah. crazy stuff. Um, but with a song, it's different. Like you want people to pay attention. Like if you're a songwriter who's crafting these songs, like you're working in themes and you're working in metaphors and you're working in imagery, mm-hmm. you know, like how do you get people to stick around long enough for the people to get that when you're busking? Well, or it, do you? It, it depends on what spot you're on, on the pier, <laughs> like what, what you appeal to in the person. Like there's, uh... There's one spot in particular on the very end of the pier, which is set up 
like a mini amphitheater mm, and people sit wow. on the stairs and they watch the sunset or they just sit there and look at the ocean and that's the spot where you can really play your songs with with the words that people pay attention to right. you know you don't need to be blasting out the fast ones the whole time right but if you're on one of the spots on the thoroughfare where people are just like whizzing by then you gotta do something to catch people's attention yeah otherwise I mean, nobody's gonna be nobody's gonna catch that metaphor you did a callback to in the first right. verse. Yeah. Exactly my point. <laughs> yeah. You know, like we as artists, writers, you know, we want to craft these things, and like so when people sit and they listen to it, like, uh, do you ever read Kurt Vonnegut? I've read Slaughterhouse Five. Uh, right. There's this whole concept these the Tremalfadorians. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. That's this artifact, this this uh, fictitious race of aliens on another planet where a story for them is not linear. They, it's kind of like the aliens in, uh, what was that Arrival movie that mm -hmm. came out at some point in the last year or so with, uh, what's her redhead? Amy Adams. Yes, Amy Adams. Um, no disrespect to Amy Adams, but um, calling her just a redhead. She's awesome. But, uh, you know, those aliens, like, they saw, everything was like a pictograph. It was like, they mm -hmm. saw the whole thing at once, and that's how the Tremalfadorians right. perceive a linear story that would be, for Earth people, a linear story. So, like, they, produce, they, they would appreciate a story based on its arc, and like what happened where, yeah, but they yeah. saw it all at the same time. Right. So we, we as artists... Like a painting. Yeah, like a painting. Mm -hmm. We as artists, a static art form, we as artists, songwriters, we work in a linear art form. You know, we, mm -hmm. like you said, we want to reference something, like you change the change the uh, pronoun in the second verse, or you, mm -hmm. you know, all these little tricks that we've done a million right. times, you yeah. know. So you're right, though. So what, like say you get the crappy spot, like what do you do? than to get people's attention. I tell you, I, I have a one-man band set up that I do where I have a cajon that I sit on that has a kick pedal. That's a little, it's like a drum that you sit it's on. It's like a, a little drum wooden box. box. It's from like flamenco music is where it originates from. Uh, and I have a foot-operated shaker and a foot-operated tambourine. Mm -hmm. So I'm playing the drums with my feet while I'm playing the guitar and singing and the harmonica. And so... Uh, a lot of times when I'm on one of these spots where people are passing by, what gets people's attention is fast, loud, heavy on the beats stuff. Multitasking. Multitasking makes people go like, oh, wow, amazing. Yeah. You know, that's a big, a big thing about street performing is the sort of giving people something to see out of the ordinary. Right. And... That having that one man band set up has definitely be been what's gotten me through the rough patches when I'm not getting a good spot for right. a, for a week straight. You is know that random? Mean? It's no. It's so there's it's a lottery system, and everybody goes to the pre-assigned place, and you put your name in the hat basically. And one of the people that works for the pier draws your name out, and you choose the spot okay. that's available. Right, based, you know. So if you get picked first, you get any spot. If you get picked last, you get whatever's left. Right. Or you wait for the next one. So you have to know what the good spots are. You do. It takes a minute. Yeah, yeah. it does. It's uh, well, like anything else, you got to earn your stripes with anything. Yes, so sir. here's a question. So when you get the like the amphitheater spot out at the end of the pier, like, do you then also bring your all your gear, your cajon and your shakers and all that kind of stuff? Because it just I has will. more impact out there, right? It does, and I use it in a different way. Out there, it, it's uh, it's abrasive if you're playing loud, fast stuff because people don't go out to the peaceful end of the pier to hear you making a lot of racket. So I'll do usually slower tempo songs 
And when I'm using the percussion, it's more for accents. Mm -hmm. and I'm not really hammer out break beats or anything. <laughs> do you, because uh, one thing a lot of busker types do is they have a looper pedal where they will mm -hmm. loop, like they'll even play a percussion thing on the guitar, boom, tiga bat, tiga boom, tiga right. bat, and then they'll loop that, and then they'll loop a little bass line over it. Do you do that kind of stuff too? I don't, no. I'm, my my shtick is that it's all live. Okay. Like that's the... It's funny, British like right now, it's the like the judgments people place upon this, like from the musical community, are very interesting. And I mean, I'm I'm not I'm guilty of them myself. Like I think those loopers, I've seen people do incredible, incredible things mm -hmm. uh, with looping. Um, but I, I I tend to lean more towards you. Like I want to see, even, but but it's just a different version of like a trained monkey to a certain extent, or maybe that's how I feel when I'm doing mm -hmm. it. But you know, like that's at least an honest version of a trained monkey. I am actually playing all these instruments at the same time in some capacity. Right. It's know? more fun for me too. I mean, that's like another thing when you when you're playing uh, in the same location day after day. It's fun to have have it be challenging and to have an element of practice to it. You know, and when you're playing all these things at once, uh, the chances for improvisation become bigger you know what i mean you can right. try out a different beat on a song you've been playing a certain way right all the time or you decide that this song that you've never played with the drums at all let's see what it sounds like with the drums. Yeah. you know what i mean and you can also take breaks you can do different right. things i just i just like it because it's so free and like even when it's i mean and it sucks out there on the pier sometimes there's just yeah. there's just some days when like for whatever reason it's cold it's cold. And nobody shows up. It's and foggy. cold is relative in yeah. California, but still, people don't show up. Or even when there's a lot of people, sometimes there's too many people and nobody can stop because they're getting moved along in the right. wave of people, you know? There's all sorts of days out there when it can be, be uh, crappy, but you can always, for me, with that setup, it's always fun. Yeah. You know? And it's the, the one thing, there's like the secret kind of weapon aspect of like doing this kind of regular busking thing for even three hours a day three times a week you were performing and to a certain extent then also practicing for that amount of time which allows 100%. you to do what you just said which is like use the malleability of your songs and your setup because it's just you you don't have to tell the bass player we're going to do this in a different key today because your voice is tired mm -hmm. you just do it or you want to add drums to something or you want to add a god knows what to anything mm -hmm. um but it's also it's performance, it's like hours in the cockpit seat. You know, like a pilot needs however many hours doing something before they can yeah. certify. So it's the same kind of thing for a musician. Like you're building those hours. The, nothing replaces experience. Nothing, man. I, I, the one, uh, one thing that was uh, interesting about building all these hours is that when we did the record that just came out, I wanted to do it all like live in the studio. And everybody was like, well, no, you should do the, you can do the instruments live and then take the vocals later and stuff like that. And I was like, no, I want to do it, everything all together in the studio all at once. And then that we just picked the best take. Yeah, yeah. And well, hold on. Let's talk about okay. that. But first, play a song because we've been talking you got about it. busking for a long time. So what, you've got a bunch of really great songs here. What's the next one going to be? Let's do Paid My Dues. Paid My Dues. And this is a little more up tempo than the last one, right? It is. So it's not the Travis picking thing. It's a little more Johnny Cashy, maybe. Yeah, it's like Johnny Cash with some rumba. Yeah, okay. That's cool. <laughs> a little Tom Waits influence in there. Tom. No, who, uh, uh, Vince, who's Vince Garaldi? Oh, what was his thing? Like, he played like a Latin kind of feel in a lot of his music. I'm not sure if it's rumba exactly. I'm not but, familiar uh, with him. Well, he's the one who does all the music for the Charlie Brown. 
like uh, Linus oh, and yeah, Lucy. Yeah, like there's a yeah, yeah. D- 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 a bossa nova d- 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 feel. Yeah, like a mm-hmm. bossa. That's what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, bossa rumba. Same thing. Whatever. Same thing. I'm kidding. Yeah. All right, Ben Bostic on Independence Day. This is his song. Paid my dues. Well, I'm going down to Georgia. Place my folks call home. And on to Carolina Place where I was born Good morning, Music City I've got a song for you Good God Almighty, Lord, I paid my dues Good God, I paid my dues From Mississippi on to Alabama From Louisiana on to Texas I'm getting a little too good, Lord, singing these old blues. Run, God Almighty, Lord, paid my dues. Well, I'm Motel 6 in Austin. That's really gone downhill. But not as bad as my backseat. Where I stayed in Amarillo. Well, not much further to California. Just a couple one-night stands Well, I'm wrapped up in my baby's arms again Good God, I paid my dues from Albuquerque on to Arizona From Boulder City up to Idaho I'm getting a little too good, Lord, singing these old blues Good God Almighty, Lord, paid my dues From Ensenada up to Washington And hell, I ain't saying I ain't had some fun But I'm getting a little too good, Lord Singing these old blues Good God Almighty, Lord, I paid my dues Good God Almighty, Lord, I paid my dues Hello, music fans. I am so happy to bring you this week's artist on Independence Day. His name is Ben Bostic. Say hello, Ben. Hello. You can learn about him at benbostic.com. Am I saying that like a Midwesterner? Bostic? Yeah, but it's Bostic. fine. That's Bostic. Fine. Legitimate. Legitimate. Close enough. How would a Southerner say it? Ben Bostic. Bostic. Ben Bostic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, the other thing is there's, there's many Southern accents. Like yours is going to be more coastal because you're close to the, close yep. to the water there. It's people who aren't from the South don't really realize that. that you, you can discern them, and you know where people are from based yep. on their different Southern accents. You go accents. up to the mountains, it's all in the nose. Yeah. Sure hey, how you doing, man? Jay okay. Farrar from Sunvolt, one of my favorite mm-hmm. uh, songwriters and singers. Like, I, It's almost as if his mouth is actually in his nose. <laughs> and I say that because I love the way he sings, but it's, like, it's very, very, very nasal. And he's St. Louis area, I think, which is fairly yeah. Illinois yeah. side of St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and the sticks and the cornfields down there. Uh, anyway, got a brand new record. Named after yourself, eponymously titled Ben Bostic is the name of the record. Uh, pick it up at all the logical places, benbostic.com, etc. From the Carolinas, out here in Los Angeles now for four or five years or so? I think six now. Six? Oh, yeah. Man. Getting up to, you're getting close to double digits. Won't yeah, be long. Uh, and, uh, but he's making his way. You know, before, I want to talk about the making of this record. 
Uh, real quick, but one last question I forgot to ask about the last busking thing that kind of ties into this whole thing is, you know, you started making money busking. Were you making money with the bands that you were playing with at the time as well? So was the busking kind of supplemental? Chicken scratch, man. Like, you know, we were doing the kind of uh, showcase style shows where you bring your friends, you pack out the club, and even when you sell out, everybody's leaving with 75 bucks. You know, that if kind you're of lucky. thing. If you're lucky, yeah, exactly. Depending on what crappy deal you got from some crappy promoter on the strip. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this 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 was the first time I was actually making legitimate middle-class yeah. dough as a musician. That's the harsh reality of of this music thing. Like, we do it, like, they, I think in our culture, it takes it for granted because we love it. We should therefore not be paid. I have an argument with a friend of mine. He's a very libertarian mindset guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, well, if it's not profitable, you shouldn't do it. And I'm like, when I'm finished punching you in the nose, and not that I'm actually going to do that. I'm not a violent man. This is the second time mm-hmm. this has come up. I promise I'm not a violent man. But when I metaphorically think about punching him in the nose, like, dude, in other cultures, people are paid for this. You're, if you're a, a stonemason, you are paid for laying stone and tile. If you mm-hmm. are a woodworker, if you are a lawyer, you are paid. You know, you can do pro bono stuff, but the other work that you do affords you the ability to do that. In the music business, like we should be paid for this stuff. It's mm-hmm. a it's a trade just like anything else. Anyway, soapbox put away. Going to make sure <laughs> I got that out of there. And I was it was curious because I, I I kind of like maybe assume that that was the idea. Sure, yeah. But it must have been a great feeling to like walk out with cash. It was confusing. I mean, by. <laughs> By, That's the perfect word. By all measures that I had experienced up to that point, the possibility of professional musicianship was uh, a fiction. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, I have. I have this. Like when when you say in South Carolina that you're going to be a musician, it's the same thing as saying I'm going to be a sorcerer. Right. It's like not even a thing. You know what I mean? You're like, oh, how funny. Yeah. So when I was able to actually do it, I was I was taken off guard. I honestly did not see it coming. Because, you know, the 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 pathway, the ladder as we talked about earlier was if it was ever there had crumbled, you know, and had been disintegrated for a dozen years and yeah. the only people who were making it were the Disney kids, you know. Right. And that's on the radio, that's still all you hear. You know, the Drake's and the... He's Nickelodeon, I guess, but Drake and Demi Lovato and all. You know, these people who came up through the system from the time they were five or Manufactured ten, pop stars. Manufactured pop stars. Yeah. So to be able to make a living as a professional musician came as a total shock to me. Wow. <laughs> well, first of all, I mean, congratulations. Thank I mean, you. Because that's, you know, that's a dream come true. It yeah, is. may not look like the dream that exactly you thought it would look like when you were scratching your name on your desk in study hall mm-hmm. back in high school or whatever you did back then. Um, but you know, when you become an adult, those the dreams your dreams have to be malleable to a certain extent. They do come true. They can come true. It just yeah. may not look exactly like you thought it looked like. And if you love the the actual craft, the process, the process, that's the dream come through. I mean, I think a lot of people fall in love with. Uh, image the lifestyle obviously um but i'm such a music nerd like i i'm very thankful to be able to play music for a living and to have people in my band that will have a gig and they'll come over to my house and we'll jam for like three hours before that it's just the most fun yeah thing ever to be with amazing musicians who truly love music yeah and don't have the ulterior motives of you know, whatever it is, you know, everybody's played with the the guy that, 
you have to hire for too much who yeah. is a pain in the butt the whole time. I mean, it's a mercenary town. I mean, let's be honest. A lot of people true. came here to make a living at it. And it's a dog-eat-dog world. If you forgive the pad expression, it's true. Mm-hmm. You know, people come here and expect to be paid. And they should be paid. But when you're on the inside paying your your cronies and your compatriots for doing things, it's it's a hard it's, it's harder. You know, Absolutely. It's like, yeah, you know they should be paid and they, they deserve to be paid. Um, but there's that funny line, like, you know, well, how much do you pay your friend? You know, are they playing with you because they love it? Are they playing with you to get paid? Well, yes, in both senses, but... I'll tell you, my theory is that you split everything down the middle. Yeah. Like, the fact that I paid for the record and stuff, I pay them for the sessions and everything, my players for sessions, but, like, I'm not taking uh, more money than them because it's my show. Right. I think that's the beginning of every demise of that relationship <laughs> that's the first that's the first that's 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 but basically a lawyer futures you're exactly. just, you're planting seeds that will then grow into a phone call to an expensive lawyer five years down the road absolutely i mean i guess <laughs> in good in, in in one sense that's good because then that means there's money to actually fight over but we don't want it to go that way you don't want it to go that way anyway so let's talk about making this record let's get away from all this commerce stuff i didn't really mean to go down that road quite as far as we did but it's interesting conversation nonetheless uh so you set out to make this record and like you said before you kind of started off talking about this you wanted to do this kind of in the old school way in a live way because there's technology you can do anything you want nowadays dude there's there's a phenomenon i was just talking about this with somebody yesterday where um the sound of old records is fetishized you know what i mean the analog sound the you know it's always the sound of these records from the you know anywhere from the 50s even 40s 50s 60s 70s but then when people go to the studio no one ever records that way and so my idea for this was like if i wanted if i want to like capture something about that sound that's attractive that why don't we record it in the manner that things used to be recorded and i didn't have the budget to record to tape so we didn't record to tape but what we did do was we all got in a room we played together and we picked the best take vocals live too vocals live too well it's very honest not uh background vocals of course yeah we did that separately and there's a couple tracks that have like this one track that has like hand claps we did that separately but any but any like the bass guitar drums uh singing the lead vocals, acoustic guitar, all that sort of stuff is is live. And then there's very few overdubs on yeah. a lot of the tracks. It creates, like it solves some problems and it creates others. Yes. Know? So, you know, as long as you know what you're getting into when you go in to do that. I mean, there's been there's been examples of that. I mean, aside mm-hmm. from live albums, like uh, Cowboy Junkie's Trinity Sessions record was mm-hmm. done. I think it's Trinity Session. I don't know if it's plural or not. But they went into a church and they were so maniacal about it. They did it on a stereo mic. They didn't even multi-track mm-hmm. it. They did it, and they went to a church after hours and put up a stereo mic and experimented to find the right spot, played all the songs, picked their best versions, and off they went. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of became the shtick at the time. Eventually, they wound up going to studios and multi-tracking things. But but it does keep you honest. keeps you honest. It's like it's a... Uh, and you also... I feel like in the studio, things just count more when you do it that way. Because I've been in a situation where, you know... You get into let's try it again one more time let's do it again one more time and you're just working on this stupid riff that nobody cares about you know tracking the same guitar riff over and over until you get it perfect and then it's sterile at the well end. perfect is relative perfect is relative exactly and there's definitely moments like you can talk to my keyboard player on this there's some piano takes he's like man I can't listen to that song and I'm like it sounds great yeah 
<laughs> well, that's just it. You know, everyone's got their own. Everyone's looking out at the world from behind their own little paradigm, mm-hmm. you know, their own little experience. And like, you know, what I played may not be appropriate for my what I would play, but you know, there's there's a uh, there's a there's a part on my last record where the organ player played. Uh, you could call it a wrong chord if you looked at it from the, a certain perspective, but mm-hmm. I know enough about music theory to know that it was a chord substitution, mm-hmm. or could it, what he played does actually function as mm-hmm. a chord substitution. I'm not going to get into the music theory behind that and bore everybody with it, but it functioned, and I, plus it sounded awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, so someone brought it to my attention. Someone who also played that same instrument. It was a Hammond organ. They said, you know, that's 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 a wrong chord. I'm like, no, it isn't. It's the perfect, it's the right it's chord. Exactly <laughs> what should be. It sounds amazing. It's yeah. awesome, and it sounds. I wouldn't change a thing. That's the other thing that recording live in studio does is it makes you makes you. Um, there are the accidents that happen that you don't even realize you love until a little bit later. Yeah, the happy accident. The happy accident. But I mean, sometimes in the studio, you're like, well, we'll live with that. And then when the master tape comes back, you're like, man, I love that. Yeah. That weird little hiccup right there where the drummer, what, what happened there? You right. know what I mean? It's funny too, Ben, because we, because we work in the same medium of, of live music and pre-recording, recorded music, uh, there's this thing, you know, I've done a few records and produced a handful of records and there's always, I know, I know this even now as I'm producing it, there's going to be like, I try so hard to make it the right choice with everything in terms of when to let the happy accidents happen and mm-hmm. make loose, but tight. And like, you know, how far and I've got something I call the sex pistols and steely Dan continuum. Like, oh yeah, yeah. Do, which do we want? You know, where where are we going for? And it's almost always somewhere in the middle. But like, well, this one's a little more towards the Sex Pistols, and this one's a little mm-hmm. more towards Steely Dan. It needs to be a little more refined. Um, but I know, even when I'm doing it, there are going to be things that eventually I will regret having made that choice. Absolutely, because you can't know everything. And most importantly, because it's a living, breathing art form. That when you play that song again, or you play that album again, it's it's a living, breathing thing. In other words, when I'm, I'm not uh, not being very clear about this, but the choice then was the choice then. That may not be the choice five years down the road. And I know that there's going to be something I regret. I can tell you specific points if you go back to my records and say, like, totally. I wouldn't have done it that way if I were to do it again. Totally. This song just came out, I mean, this album just came out last month, and the band already plays a lot of the songs differently live. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not quite as extreme as Bob Dylan in these matters, but like... I'm, I don't think anyone I don't as either. extreme as Bob Dylan I don't in these matters. Um, but I love letting songs evolve. You know what I mean? I let, love. It's you know, and a lot of times it evolves so subtly that you don't even know until you go back and listen to the way you recorded it yeah. <laughs> years later. And you're like, oh, that's so weird that we used to play it like that. Yeah, you know. There's particular songs by favorite bands I know, uh, a band that played up at uh, McCabe's not too long ago, mm-hmm. and. The drummer always hits this one accent live that he didn't hit on the record, and now and it 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 adds an extra level of like endorphins or pleasure stuff in my brain because now when I listen to the record, which I love that version too, like Mm -hmm. I know that he hits that live in in a more advanced way or you Mm -hmm. know more uh, emphasized way, and it's like ah, it's it's it's, that makes even the recording that's not there that makes the absence of that even better, knowing that he saved it because you should leave some on the table, like you should leave something to grow you totally know? anyway uh, i'm having a great time talking to you ben this is a good conversation i hope Likewise. i hope the listeners feel the same way um one more thing i want to get to because we're gonna run short on a little time here you've got a gig tonight i know you got to get out I the do, door too yeah um but like one thing i noticed like looking at the record looking at you the packaging of this whole thing one thing is that you're pretty spartan about the packaging there's no lyrics in here 
The entire package is black with the exception of like an upside down black T on the back, which probably just was an artistic choice to separate the stuff that's on there. And then the picture review is a, is a silhouette. It is. But even that, you look different than like in, in other pictures I've seen, you look different. And that's something like anyone who's ever made a record knows that like sometimes it can take a long time. Like I've had long hair and then short hair and then long hair again in the time it took to do something. But like I like the fact that you are willing to be uh, different or perceived in different ways. Like you show up today, you look a little, I mean, it's you, obviously. But like the silhouette of you, like I wouldn't necessarily know that that was you. Sure. Like is this intentional? This was, I guess there's a little bit of a story behind why I looked that way at the time. I did a music video for a song on my last EP. The song was called Wait For Me, where I shot myself singing the song every day over the course of a year. And mm -hmm. I spliced it together so one second corresponds to one day. I watched that video earlier today. And then over the course of the year, over the course of the video, I mean, you see my hair grow from short and clean-shaven face to I look like a you know mountain man, similar to how I do in the cover. And that cover was shot uh, not long before the video was completed. So mm -hmm. I had the long hair and the big beard. Now, did you do that for the video convention? I did. That's quite a commitment, man. I was inspired by... Uh, there's an endurance artist whose name I can never remember because he's from Taiwan. And <laughs> endurance artist. I got to chuck a lot of that. Dude, this, this dude did it, the similar concept, and it's in the MoMA in New York. It's called, I think it's called like 24-7, 365, where he took a picture of himself, a still frame picture, every hour on the hour for one year. Oh my God. Which means he didn't sleep for more than... He's a masochist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And he, he, yeah, he, he basically never slept for more than, say, 55 minutes at a time for exactly. a year. And he did, he'd shaved his eyebrows, shaved his head completely. He went way more extreme than I did, shooting myself once a day. You I'm know? glad you didn't. Yeah, it would have been the most insane video ever. It wouldn't have been worth it. The song's not even that good. Um, but that was what gave me the idea. Um, yeah. I, I applaud your commitment to the art. Thank you. And to making the video. Like, I like I, that stuff. I like it's, a, well, it's like a life has performance art kind of thing. You know, Tom, I'm a big Tom Waits fan. Me too. You know, and I think that that's, uh, I can think of few artists whose lives have become a, an art piece in a way. Bowie's life is kind of like mm -hmm. that too, or was like that. Mm -hmm. Where um, I, I feel like few things are left to chance. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's something you touched on this very, very early on in our talk today about how, you know, artists, you know, how they present themselves and how, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly what you said, but it all kind of ties in together. Like creating an onstage persona for yourself. Sure. And that may or may not be you. That's different. That's the difference between we as musicians and actors. Like sure. they are almost always playing a character that was written for them. Even if they wrote that character, and even if it's based upon aspects of their own personality, it's a different thing. Absolutely. We as musicians, I mean, we can do that to an extent. Like I'm not sure that Tom Waits is exactly who he is offstage, but... I get the impression based on interviews I've read that he's pretty close. Mm -hmm. So he's created this persona that then and then kind of inhabited that persona, mm -hmm. like in all aspects of his life, as a like, like a performance, totally. like a like a sixty-seven-year-old performance art piece. There's a you know the comedian slash podcast host Mark Marin. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's not too far from here actually. He's yeah, right he's over in Highland Park. Park. He said something at one point that uh, really stuck with me. He said that. Honesty is the only edge left. Yeah. Which is such an amazing way of thinking about it because, you know, there's definitely artistic 
trends and it swings sometimes towards like shocking is considered edgy. Right. But, you know, honesty and complete self-revelation is always the edge, you know, yeah. to be able to prevent, present yourself um, without artifice is uncomfortable right <laughs> you know for the for the artist and the audience sometimes right. and i think that is something to aim for because no one can copy that and in this town it's an interesting commentary as well because like where is that different where is that line between artifice and art because to a certain extent it's all artifice sure we're stepping up and we're presenting a version of ourselves or sure. presenting like that that wall back there you see on your tv show your favorite tv show is not actually a wall right it's or a, even the way that we're talking right now is going to be different than the way I talk to my girlfriend later. Correct. Different versions of our right. self. Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you get to that point, um, this honesty thing is, is, is very, very important. Jason Isbell, who's writing I Respect very much, his new record came out just recently. I finally picked it up recently, been spinning it. Um, that's, what, that's one word he comes back to a lot. He's like, like in my, in my, so songwriting is the most important thing he says that I do. Mm -hmm. um, and the most important thing I'm trying to get at is just keep it honest. Mm -hmm. Which sounds easy, but it's really not. It's really not. It's really not. There's a million, bazillion things that get in the way of that honesty. Totally. You know, in, in, <laughs> including, how, you know, if your stomach's upset. You sure. Know, there's a, or you're not, you're tired or not yet too much sleep or you have a mosquito bite or, God, you know, there's a million, trillion totally. variables. It's, anyway. Keeping it honest, I, Springsteen said something that his, when he writes lyrics... He just goes over them and over and he's a famous overwriter, you yeah. know, writes eighty pages for a song, you know. But he goes over and over until he can't find anything that's not honest. Yeah. And that's why it takes him eighty pages to write a song. Yeah. Because he's got a, sh a sharp eye for dishonesty. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I, all the great artists, you know, I mean, look at to tie Tom Waits into it again. You know, like he I don't think he hangs a lot out with a lot of one armed dwarves. <laughs> right. But you know, he he creates that world that it becomes so real that, you know, where where is that line again? You mm -hmm. know, it's it's honest in a different kind of way, you know, mm -hmm. and the throwing of glitter, you know, like what could be more artificial than throwing glitter on stage? I mean, it's a... Yeah, but that's, you know, that goes into the realm of like the sort of melodrama or like, you know, Douglas Sirk, the film director. A little bit. Where it's like using artifice, or David Lynch is another guy yeah, yeah. who uses like the artifice as part of it, it's right. not. It's it's presented or as Wes artifice. Anderson is another Wes example Anderson's of that. There you Perfect. go. Like, like it's, uh, what there's a name for that? It's not magical realism, uh, but it's it's akin to that. Yeah, totally. Where like they create this kind of hyper reality. Exactly, hyper reality. Where yes. it it feels more real in a way because maybe that's how everyone perceives their world to be. Right. The perception is the reality. Right. Anyway, so yeah, you, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, so now that we've gotten to the master's class uh, or master's level uh, discussion today, I wanted you to play. You've got one last song, and i got to kick your butt out of here because you got some money to make playing music. So what's this last one going to be, Ben? Let's do a Central Valley. This, this is, is new, 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 right? New, 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 So this, yeah. you will not find this on the record. So this is a no. premiere. I mean, I'm sure you've probably played it around shows and whatnot, but uh, check this out. Tell me just a wee bit about this and then lay it down on us. This one I was inspired. I play a lot of, a lot of shows up in the... Central Valley of California, the San Joaquin, which, the San Joaquin, which, uh, if if it was its own state, would be the poorest state in the nation, uh, which is totally different than the rest of California, and it and it reminds me a lot of home in South Carolina, where you have a sort of neglected area, where 
getting by is the only thing people can think about. Right. So this is a song about a character getting by. All right. Ben Bostic with the song Central Valley on Independence Day. raised to be a man the great central valley where a man ain't worth a damn they cut my pay to minimum wage how is a family meant to survive on ten and out Wife and a baby And a man With no power So yes I'm guilty But I ain't sorry For what I've done I needed the money more than the men I took it from I didn't mean To hurt no one So what's gonna happen Mister to my wife and son When I go to prison I didn't mean To hurt no one of wrath are sown the great central valley where the weeds are overgrown and they burn and they burn Well, everyone, I've had a wonderful, wonderful time talking with Ben Bostic, this week's guest on Independence Day. Ben, I hope you had a good time too. Man. I had an amazing time. Great conversation. Great to get to know you. I hope you stick, you know, I hope we, you know, stay in contact. You know, let's get a pint sometime. Let's I've known to have conversations very similar to this on regular occasions over a pint of delicious beer. Uh, and uh, you're a good, uh, good sparring partner in that regard. Let's do it, man. So I'm in. So, congratulations. And we're. Uh, and where will people find you? I know you're always playing shows. You do a regular thing Sunday nights at the, pronounce it like you pronounce it, Escondite, Escondite. I've heard about a dozen yeah, different pronunciations. I say Escondite because that's, I don't know. It's more traditional it's, Spanish. It's like Spanish. But a lot yeah. of people say Escondite. Some people say the Escondite. Some people right. just call it the Deet. Some people <laughs> still call it the Boyd, which was what it was before it was the Escondite. Yeah. 
whatever you want. I don't think I've ever said it without qualifying it because I have no idea how to pronounce yeah. it. And those things are important to me. I mean, I work in the radio business. Again, words are my stock and trade. So like specificity of these things is important to me, but I still have no idea. I like, don't either. Dozens of friends who have played there and I don't and know two of them. The hideout. The it means the hideout in Spanish. Yeah, close there enough. Close enough for me. So you got a regular thing, Sunday's there, Sunday nights. Sunday nights, Full band or midnight. Solo? Full band. Okay. And then you got some other shows. I have, yeah, I have other shows. If you check my website, benbostig.com, and click on the live yeah. section, you'll find a listing of all those. I do have a, in Bakersfield, I have a regular thing every second Saturday of the month at a place called Lengthwise, the pub. Okay. Um, everything else is going to be whatever's on the schedule. Yeah. Yeah, and when it's constantly else? changing. I'm sure, constantly like everyone changing. else, you're adding stuff all the time. He's, he's easy to find. He's around. Buy his music, support live music, support independent artists, support anyone who's like cares about what they're doing. That's my last soapbox for the day. I agree. Not just me. Anybody who cares yeah. about what they're doing. I support tell people them. all the time, like at my show, like buy music, buy buy mine, all the better, but buy it. Buy it from the artist at the show if you can, because that puts mm-hmm. the money directly into their pocket. And I don't know a ton of musicians who are high in the hog. Like even the people these days who you think, you know, sure, Taylor Swift is making plenty of money, but almost everybody else, they're working for a living just like mm-hmm. anybody else. So uh, put some money in their pockets and enjoy the music. That's the most important thing that anybody wants to have. So Ben, thank you, man, for coming out. It's been My pleasure, great man. to talk to you. So thank you to Ben Bostic, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley, Wayne Topinski, and Sally Shackleton. The erudite Tony Tone Loke Piscotti manages the Independence Day website. Thanks to Loke. Independence Day's theme music was composed by Great Lakes Myth Society, another independent band. Check them out. For Independence Day, as always, I am Joe Armstrong. If you do one thing today, please be good to one another.